And the only way that we can bring clients to those lengths, to that ability to self-heal, self-love, is if we've done it ourselves. Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us, because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Erin Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello and welcome back or welcome if this is your first time listening. Today I'm interviewing my very good friend and business partner, Julia Rushlow. Julia's expertise is in child play therapy and she works in play and sand and other modalities with children, parents, and families. Mentioned in this podcast, you will hear about Julia's paradigm-shifting parenting group. This is something that you can find a link to in the show notes. It would be great for any of you who want a different perspective for yourselves or want a great, affordable resource for your clients so that they can feel supported. And Julia has some incredibly unique, intuitive abilities that really help in her work with children and families. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to my Monday Mind Ups email list, which is a bite-sized, mindset-shifting piece of content coming to you every week that will set the tone for your week if you'd like, and you can refer back to it anytime you want. So without further ado, here's my interview with Julia Rushlow. Hi, Julia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Erin, for having me. I'm pretty excited. Oh, you're so welcome. So we start with, tell us about yourself, your work, and your passions in the field. Well, my name is Julia. I am a play therapist, I think is how I would best describe myself. But often people ask me what a play therapist is. So I'm a psychotherapist which most adults know, a regular therapist. I work with children primarily or children and parents. And I use play as a way of processing through trauma or being a communication piece or tool between parents and kids. So that's a little bit about who I am. Thank you. Would that feed into your passions in the field? Uh, Yes, it was five and a half years ago now, I think when I first was encouraged by a colleague of mine that they felt that I should do some additional training in play therapy. And at that point, I was a teen therapist and thought I would always be a teen therapist because I'd always been a teen therapist and I loved what I did. I took the nudge because why not? And I went to Toronto and I did an intensive play therapy training program. All I can say is when I came back, it was a transformational experience. I couldn't believe how much, like I, as a therapist, we have to do our own work. And I'm sure you know that too. Um, Whatever we're doing with clients comes up, it reflects to us and everything that we're doing. So I had done a lot of my own work. I'd been in therapy myself since I was like 15, 16. So I thought I had a pretty good handle and knew who I was and what my stuff was and that I'd done a pretty okay job of, you know, doing it. And then I went to play therapy 
And for 15 days, I played. I played with like, I think there were 21 of us in that first year's group. When parents come in and they tell me to like, you know, for their, their kiddo to have fun when they go into play therapy. And I'm like, oh man, it was so not fun for me. Because when your stuff comes up and it will come up, it was overwhelming and it was intense and I was fighting it. And I was like, at the end of the days, I had migraines and I was throwing up and I was fighting it hard, but my stuff was everywhere and I couldn't get away from it. Everything I touched, those themes would come up again. So halfway through, I finally gave in, right? There was a reason I'm here. I got to give in. I, I got to push through and do this work and see it and live it and be it. And then it shifted and I came out of it a completely different person. And that's, that's what I do. That's, I bring those experiences now to kiddos and to families through play. So you mentioned that it was a life-changing experience. So I wonder if you can track your life as Julia before that experience and Julia after that experience, does that fit? (laughs) I could do that for sure. Absolutely. So Julia before play therapy training so that would have been julia pre-2017 um the original would have been a classic type a personality i had my ducks in a row i don't know the intended audience here so i'm going to try to limit swearing and as a play therapist that's a good thing for me anyways i had my ducks in a row everything was organized i had a plan i had an agenda i had systems I had a lot of control over everything in my life. I knew what I was doing. I knew who was in it. And everything was like tickety-boo. I just finished my master's program. It was all great. As long as I could control everything, it was perfect. But I wasn't happy. I didn't like anything really about my life. I had two kids, which whom I love and I've always loved, but I was intense around them and I was guarded and I was controlling. I had a partner and that relationship wasn't ideal either. Actually, in 2017, um, it was the end of we just spent a year apart. I got in fights with sometimes people didn't know I was in a fight with them, but I was in a fight with them with everyone. Like I was holding so much frustration, so much anger, so much discontent, I guess I would say. My life wasn't what I wanted it to be. I was still holding on to grief. My mom had died a few years prior to that. So I was still holding and not processing that. And 2017 was a a real pivotal year for me in a a whole bunch of ways. This may be a bigger topic for later, but I'm just going to touch on it. It was an opportunity. You and I met each other in that year as well. And I saw the work that you were doing and, and the clinic that you were building and And you were an inspirational piece for me. Another, as I said, colleague recommended the play therapy piece for me. And it was really there that I shifted and came back a different person. And then I had to really reevaluate the different pieces in my life. So since then, over the last five, six years, um, I've been shifting and addressing those different areas that didn't fit, that weren't bringing me joy to really focus on bringing about who I am as an individual and I guess really who I want to be as an individual in the life I want to live. So I was in a life that felt really controlled and and really looked good on paper, but I wasn't loving. And now on paper, my life could look a little bit more chaotic and messy, 
but I love all the pieces in it. That would be that. That would be the before and after that I'm totally myself now. Beautiful. I'm honored that you're sharing it and I'm honored with what you shared about me. Thank you. That was just a tidbit. I could say so much more. Well, thank you. You probably know, but in the podcast, one of the focuses is about how if we therapists live our dreams, go after our joy and our desires, it really changes the work. It allows us to contribute to the field. It allows us to affect our clients, even in ways we're not aware of. Would you say since you made that shift, you've seen that, this inexplicable vibration or change that as you live out your true self and dreams, you see it? Absolutely. And I think right away, as a therapist who works with children, I guess I'll start there. There's lots of therapists that say they work with children. I think the difference is with what I bring to the table is the additional training and understanding that I have for working with kids and this modality of doing the play therapy and of having the felt sense of how transformational that is. And the passion, I think, behind how hugely like life-changing it can be as an adult. So then think about how that could impact a child's trajectory. That passion I brought to the work as soon as I opened my clinic, and initially it was called Just Julia because I was just going to be myself. That passion for the work became so big and people were so excited. And I, I did initially, like I sent the stuff out to the school boards and that kind of stuff, but I kind of, that was it. I didn't do any advertising. I, like I didn't have time for that kind of stuff. It was, it was just me. And then I needed to have an assistant and then I needed to have more spaces and then I needed to have another person. And it just, people kept coming and kept coming that it was that, and I'd hear stories that people were talking about me on different sites, like different Facebook groups and that kind of stuff. And it was weird, like eye-opening, hard to wrap my head around. People would call and I'd wonder like, how did you hear about me? Oh, so-and-so is uh, at the, the daycare at school was talking about you or the after-school care was talking about you. And said, you're working with a, you know, person and it was amazing. And it's like, wow. Oh, yeah. My occupational therapist recommended you. Or, oh, yeah. My psychologist said that you do. It was just all these pieces where all these people that I didn't even know knew what I was doing or had met someone that had been touched by me and the work I was doing in some way. And it was just those ripples that you talk about. And it was, I was so loving and felt so grateful and filled with gratitude for what I was able to be doing with these kids every day and loving every single one of them. And that was felt. And it was felt by their parents. And then their parents would tell other parents and then it would it rippled. So I think trying to capture that so that my dream initially was how to be able to help kids. So here's kind of the catch 22, I guess, is that when you're living your dream, sometimes your dreams are bigger than one person. And I think when you and I came back together in 2020, so during the pandemic, and we talked and started co-dreaming about the clinic, that's where the dream started to shift a little. And I'm in a bit of a, a transition point on that right now is there's so many kids, there's so many families that can benefit from shifting in the way that we parent kids, in the way that we understand kids, in the way that we show up and just hold space for kids. So that initial passion and love for play therapy was only able to love one kid at a time. So now my 
struggle, the problem that I'm working around in my brain is how can I shift that perspective for so many more kids? Because there's so many and there aren't very many people that have this understanding of really how to hold space for kiddos and how to show up for kiddos. It speaks to some other pieces that I think are really important that I've seen from supervising now and mentoring therapists that you felt incredibly fulfilled with your clients. You were working with your ideal client in a way that you wanted. Exactly. It's this understanding that I think is the antithesis of much of what we've been conditioned to do, which is go into maybe an agency, work with everybody dread much of it, feel unsupported, and um, burn out. And that was definitely the before me. And I think even the original me when I was just Julia. At that point, the, the caseload I had, my supervisor shook his head every time I went to meet with him. I was doing amazing work and I was able to sustain it. But could I have sustained it for years or a decade? I don't know. Not likely. Because it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved it. But there wasn't a balance in my life, for sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I think that leads me to my first question, which is what does mental health revolution mean to you? Mental health revolution. There's a few things that come up for me there. We really want to have this philosophy of ensuring that we're well, we as the therapist. And so you touched a little bit there, Erin, on when you have a crazy caseload and you burn out and you don't have support and you're unbalanced, how can you hold space and create that loving environment for another when you're not able to show up for yourself? When I think about revolution. I think it's really kind of shifting the existing system, flipping it on its head almost, because yes, clients absolutely are important. And that's why we're all here. or We wouldn't be in a helping field. We're here to be able to help others and to show up for them. But if I'm a skeleton of myself, scattered and frenzied on caffeine and little sleep and stressing about so many case notes and all of this and getting calls back and emails and overwhelmed and not enough time to like I know there'd be days that I didn't have time to go to the washer client reset client reset client reset scarf down my lunch while doing emails client reset and it's like how is that and then to be able to show up for my own kids when I get home and how can you do that when you've given absolutely everything by learning. And, and this came from you as well. So this, this piece in this workshop that you're going to be creating and, and, and moving forward in the future, this idea of caring for yourself first, the work that I do now and the connections are so much deeper. Not that the work I was doing before wasn't amazing. It was great. I loved what I did and I was hundred percent present for the kids. But I'm able to hold deeper space. I'm able to go further, right? There's the story that you can only go as far. You can only bring a person as far as you've gone yourself. By knowing what balance is and knowing what self-love is, I'm able to hold that space and that reflection up for others in a much different way 
than when I was trying to do it all and I was anxious and spinning. How can you help someone be grounded if you don't know how to do it yourself? I got full goosebumps there when you mentioned self-love. Such an important yeah. piece. Thank you. So the revolution, if I'm understanding it, is really about, and maybe I'm informed by some of the things we know mutually. So I'll say this and you tell me if it's right. But the revolution is about rather than putting the client first, which is what we're trained to do, which is what makes sense because we got into this field, we put ourselves ahead so that we're really well and that we can do deep, amazing work and go further for ourselves and others. Exactly, Erin. And the only way that we can bring clients to those lengths, to that ability to self-feel, self-love is if we've done it ourselves. Otherwise, we can just make suggestions and say, I think if you do this, you can get there. But I don't know, because I, I don't have time to do it myself. So good luck. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And I've actually had a client who's been a long term client. And the beautiful thing that they said to me, that I, unsolicited, they said, wow, I can really feel how much you've grown. And they kind of made the connection that they could feel that we were growing in tandem. I mean, this was never said. Mm. This was never. And the work we've done together is unbelievable. But I know it. I knew it. To me, it was not a surprise that as I've gone deeper and as I've done my work, people continue to surprise me. And people that I've worked with are the people who people have generally written off. You know, doctors have yeah. said they'll never get well. So to see them not only become whatever normal is I don't know that's a slippery slope my mother-in-law says that's a setting on the dryer whatever normal is but to go <laughs> to go past normal and to thrive and to become often deeply spiritual whether people started out that way or they end up that way it's amazing yeah and when uh what resonated for me there is when you talk about your clients your ideal client is the people that haven't had success with others. And those would be my clients too, right? My ideal clients would be the ones that have been shifted from everywhere else or rejected from everywhere else or healed everywhere else, but nothing's different. Mm -hmm. And they come to me, they're able to be seen and they're able to be held in a different way. So I love it in those sessions where, you know, the kiddo that's been too much for everyone in their lives and he's used to being told they're, you know, they're bad, they're horrible, they're whatever, they're too much. And then all of a sudden they're not. And it's like, I can do this? Yeah. Can I do it with you? What? And then all of a sudden there's this, like, I'm accepted. I'm seeing someone finally can hold me and understand me and we can just move ahead. And then it's that spiritual piece, right? That you talk about. It's like, huh. I'm okay. This person gets me. So I have to be an okay person. And they shift and grow from that, right? It's, a, it's beautiful to be able to hold space for people the way we do. Beautiful. Thank you. So that leads me to my next question. And I think we've been leading up to this one, which is when have you taken a risk and gone after a dream or desire? So a few resonate for me. So I'll touch on a couple as small ones, and then I'll come into the big one. 
So doing the play therapy training was a bit of a risk because after finishing my master's, which was, you know, three and a half years of study, X number of dollars. Okay, now's the time to make some money and pay off that debt. Nope, what's going to happen now is I'm going to go back into a three-year program of extensive study, more dollars, because this is what I want to do. That was a bit of a risk. I think jumping from a successful practice into our co-owned practice was a risk as well. We were both doing something very successful individually, but we saw the potential for something bigger. So we joined and we're rounding our second anniversary. So I think we've done well. But the, the third or the, the risk that I'm on the cusp of at this point, I think, is taking something that I know I'm good at, I love doing, and making it a smaller part of my life to step into something that's a little bit unknown and unsure because I want to be able to do more. I'm there, but not fully through it yet. And that starts to answer the next question, which is, when have you held yourself back from fully living a dream or desire? Right about now. Ah. (laughs) Okay. So we have talked, I've been talking to lots of parents lately. So in the last three or four months, I've probably had between 100 and 150 parent phone calls. That's a lot. It's a lot of phone calls. Because they're typically a half hour, 45 minute call. I don't know anything about the family when they call in. They give me a synopsis of what's going on with their kiddo. I talk to them a little bit. I have an ability to, um, so an intuitive ability to be able to feel. So in the phone call, as the parents are talking to me, I have an assessment that I do with all my kids so I can see that snapshot. And then I have one question that I ask. I'm not going to say it now because I don't want people, if they talk to me in the future, to have a prepped answer. But I ask one specific question. As soon as they start talking about that question, I can feel into what's going on for them and their kiddo. And then I know what the family needs. This is a new thing. Like I'm on the edge of, this isn't part of my play therapy training. This isn't part of my master's training. This is part of my spiritual training, right? Which is, I know that I have these different gifts and abilities. And how do I use these to help more people. I know I can do it in one-on-one phone calls, but then all I'm able to do at that is tell the parents what the kid needs. And then it's, how do we bring it to the next step? So I did try to create parent groups, had a lot of excitement from parents when I was talking to them in the consult calls about that sounds great, a place I want to create a community. So I, I know that I'm to create this. It will happen in some capacity, this parent community where I show up as a parent where other parents can show up and come together, be vulnerable, be able to talk about the struggles they have, be able to get help and support from myself, but also from other parents that are also struggling without being judged, without feeling shame, without being embarrassed and to let all of that go. But the challenge is how do I help the parents feel brave enough to come to those meetings? where they might see someone that is the teacher at their school or is a social worker and they're worried if they can say this or someone they might see at the grocery store. And that's scary. And decide we know what people might be thinking, right? Those are the thoughts that we have going through our own heads. And that's how we've been conditioned 
it's hard. That's a piece that I'm struggling with is how do I help people get into there? So I don't know where to move it forward, Erin. There's my, that's, that's where I'm at the end of this is I know that parents want to show up. I know one of the things that I did incorrectly was in my, in my marketing video that I sent out to all the parents. This just came to me this morning. So I'm going to share live the insight that I had. When we set something out to the universe, when we want to be a therapist expanded, we want to set out our intentions as they actually are. You never want to say to a child, don't run with scissors. Because what the child is going to hear is run with scissors. And they miss the don't. And in my video that I sent out, and I did the the talk a couple of times. And I know that I said the same thing each time. And I said, I don't want to be there alone. And that's what happened. Because I'm there alone. No one's able to be there yet. Totally, which is surprising because there is such a demand for what you do. So there is something there. These parents want to show up, no problem in a difficult setting like family therapy, Yeah, which is hard for people. They want to bring their kids. They want to be with you. They want to be in any container that you create. This is the exception. So I appreciate so much this episode and we're going to shift over to a coaching episode. So that will be an episode that comes up. We're going to continue this topic And I'm going to coach Julia and offer what I can. And so for this podcast, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for having me, Erin. You're welcome. And it's a to be continued. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution.